So Elaine here, I just wanted to say before we start that you might have noticed since it's been a while since the last episode posted, but we are, because of, you know, life things happening for everyone, we are moving to probably publishing the podcast once every two weeks rather than, you know, weekly. Um, yeah, just so, so you know, we're we're moving to a... Every like I don't want to say bi-weekly because then there's the joke, is it once every two weeks or is two times a week? It's once every two weeks this moves to probably sometimes closer to once every three weeks. We're all incredibly busy with um real life happening. But this continues. We're not we're not letting this podcast die. We are incredibly stubborn this way. Anyhow, just Hope everyone is okay. We are doing fine. We are just busier than usual. But we will continue exploring the pop punk. And enjoy this this episode as a whole thing. Enjoy this episode. Hey, are you aware of the Pamela Anderson 4 video? Welcome to the 2000s. I hate this town. I hate this fucking town. I don't even want to be in this town. Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am as always General Mario Deftinwolf and with me other characters from the Amory Wars. I'm Sybil, and I regret this. I'm Adam, and you didn't tell me this was going to be the bit. <laughs> no, I never tell you what the bit is. That's the fun part, but everyone is... You're sunbanking me again. I hate everyone. We have a guest. Guest, introduce yourself. Um, I'm Sam, and I'm flying on the wings of the prize over the keyworks, as ever. <laughs> and I was always Elaine. We have a guest. A guest, talk to us about yourself. Give us a brief, brief introduction. Who are you? Why should we care? It's an uh, interview. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm Sam, and uh, you probably shouldn't, to be honest. Um, but uh, if you do, uh, thank you. What are we talking about today? Someone please take this podcast away from me, because I don't want it. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. I, 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 I was in the middle, well, before recording this, I was in the middle of editing the, the Dashboard Confessional podcast, and I fear... Things have might have gotten worse in our incel arc. Here's the thing. I had fun discussing Dashboard Confessional. I have gleeful joy all over that recording. This one is probably going to be the angriest I get all year. I'm, I'm the opposite. I was... I'm not angry, usually. I was incredibly angry at that Dashboard Confessional <laughs> record. Uh, you didn't I, look at the lyrics for this one. I didn't. I don't look at the lyrics for this one. Oh, I, I think it's. Uh... I got some surprises for you. Yeah, there, there is there is one lyric that is repeated over and over in this uh, in this album that I find baffling. Yeah, and I think I, you're thinking I'm of like, the same one I am. Oh no! What? Why? What, what's going on? <laughs> Let me guess. You are thinking of track nine. 
I am. I am. Yeah, oh. yeah I knew it. I'm on the same wavelength. wavelength. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because both of us have seen that character. Yes, we yep. have. Yup. Is... Yup. Mm. You've just put something together, Adam. I want to put it back. I'm taking it apart. Oh, I have a picture for you later. I assume we're going to be taking it apart later. I, I think yes, there's another point. Go, we, we, we go song by song, Sam. I know that despite being my dear friend, you don't listen to us, which I find extremely transphobic. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> uh, but we go song by song after we do our whole initial bit, which include, I guess, Sybil talking to us about the history of this band. First of all, does any of you... We haven't done this in a while because we keep, you know doing things i forget but before all does any of you have any prior experience with coheed and cambria yes i was actually going to say would you like me to introduce the band and album which we have not done yet oh we're doing yes that's what i was trying to get to Uh, (laughs) okay this week we are covering coheed and cambria and their second album in keeping secrets of silent earth colon three i love earth colon (laughs) Mm. <laughs> my favorite kind there's three of them at least there's uh 78 of them so this has been tagged on re- so the reason we're doing this is that for some reason for a bit of reason this has been tagged as secondary genre pop punk on richer music i was gonna say that i really disagree but there is maybe a bit, like, some of the melodies are sort of Fallout Boyish. There is a bit of, there's some post-hardcore influences. I would not, I don't think it fits our podcast in any way, but you know what? It's fun, so fuck it. I think the singles definitely are. Eh, there's no, there's not much punk to it. Definitely, at some point I was like, oh, this is like Panic the Disco, and oh, this is like Sleeping with Sirens, so it's in there somewhere. There's a few tracks. It's not the mass. No, it's it's. This is a like alternative rock, prog metal sort of band, but not. But it's, it's like not even ve- any of the good parts of those genres. No. Yeah, it's like very light, incredibly light prog metal. Uh, people hated it at the time. Well, at least people in your music hated it at the time because it has quote unquote girl vocals. Which <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> There's many things you can hate about this record. You know? I don't think the vocalist is one of those. I like the vocals. <laughs> yeah, I agree, actually. I do see sort of where they're coming from, because as I mentioned, the vocalist in particular does remind me of the fella from Sleeping with Sirens, who to many people does sound like a girl. So like, I can see where they're coming from, sort of, but also, what the fuck are you on about? What does it matter? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think he has a very distinctive voice, and it sounds fine. Yeah. There, there are many things that you can hate about this record, as we're slowly discovering, but does any of you have any prior experience with this? No. I, I suspect I've, I've listened to their music very briefly, but that's... I've forgotten it. Turns out I had, in a prior time, listened to this record before, and I forgot about it. Uh, I gave it a 2.5 the first time I listened to it, some years ago. I After listening to the, the again for the podcast, I'm mapping it to a 3. I think I like it better than how I liked it at the time. 
And I also apparently listened to a record by the main singer Solo Side Project, which is like a folk record with electronic influences. Okay. Which is the Prize Fighter Inferno, and I gave it a 1.5 on Radio Music. I remember almost nothing about that record, but apparently it was bad. <laughs> Do you know what's you know what's terrible? Yeah. The fact that the title of that album makes so much sense. Uh, and yep. it's such a frustrating thing that the prize fighter Inferno and you, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I, I'm in too deep. Check it out. The two Look, of Sam, us have you... gone through some windows. Mm. <laughs> I think the only reason why you're bumping it up now is because you just went through Dashboard Confessional and you're just like relieved to have something different to listen to after that. I mean, you're not wrong, but uh, you shouldn't say it. Um. <laughs> I do no. have past experience with this um, band, uh, as I mentioned off-air, I think. Uh, I was briefly, like, really into power metal for a bit, and people kept on recommending Coheed and Cambria to me. And I remember listening to, like, one song of theirs, maybe two, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, this is okay. Um, But... Ultimately, it wasn't my thing. So when I heard we were doing Coheed and Cambria, I was like, oh, we're doing power metal? Sweet. Love that. This is not power metal. I am not happy. If only it was power metal, I would I would be feeling very differently. I'm with you, Adam. Also, Sam, are you going to ever run an RPG set in the Coheed and Cambria verse <laughs> now that you have this arcane knowledge in you? Ah, uh, God, I... Maybe is that uh, gonna that is that gonna be the gotta get out of this town actual place spinoff? <laughs> yes, tales tales from the keyworks. Um, I I I I would hate this. I I would hate this. Um, it would make no sense. I mean, it, it's it's there, there's no narrative. There's no sort of logic in in the setting really. Um, a lot of stuff is just you know God. <laughs> just god god did it god wants it it happens because because god and prophecy and a prophecy made by god so i mean it would be pretty easy to run i guess <laughs> i mean you're underselling the reveal of god well i'm actually hoping because here's the interesting thing is that i have only read the graphic novels until the end of this album Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to dump so much on you. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad. I, I will experience a visceral pleasure in hearing you say it and knowing that I did not experience it. Okay. <laughs> okay, shall we start? Okay, I guess we need to figure out how to do this. So we, I guess we can do history of the band. Yeah. Then roundtable about the comic with Sybil and Sam. <laughs> and no. then we talk about the record. All right. Give us an history of this band, Sybil. I dumped this whole episode on you. I was like, I'm not dealing with this today. I'm making quesadillas. I'm not fucking... This is not the day for I want a quesadilla. Yeah, if you want to know why I'm so salty, it's that I went hard on the research for this because everything kept leading into another rabbit hole or a reference to a different album or the discovery that I thought was going to be the most upsetting one that the comic books retcon the albums. And then I discovered other comic books retcon the first comic books. They're all written by the same guy! Oh, what? Okay. I mean, that makes sense. 
uh, if I'm honest. I mean, the, the, yeah. We'll get I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call them titans of like narrative pacing, theming, and causality. No. We'll get there in the aftermath segment because that's when all the comics start. It's after this. Cambria is a... We're going to stick with progressive rock band. They change genres over the course of things. They really lock it in after this album. But they come from Nyack, New York, and form in 1995 out of the ashes of about five different bands. Their pre-CNC days are a bit of a mess of shifting members and poaching personnel from other groups for five years or so. I'm not covering all of this. There's, It's so messy. I'm only covering the funny drama. The trio that eventually mutates into the final form of this band came together as Shabuti, a term which means naked prey in the film The Naked Prey. And this group forms out of another band breaking up from an argument about gas money. The three in question are... Claudio Sanchez, guitar and eventually the writing of all of this narrative epic, Nate Kelly on drums, and Michael Todd on bass. Impressive hair on Claudio Sanchez, by the way. Like, dude has hair. A lion-like mane, yeah. Oh, is he that one from the videos? He's the one from the video, yes. He's the one singing by the time of where we are. He does have hair. (laughs) He does have hair. It does have a lot of air. (laughs) They released demos in the coming years, and in 1999, after the release of the Penelope EP, Travis Stever will rejoin this band as the vocalist and guitar player. Later that year, Nate Kelly leaves the band mid-performance because everyone has been drinking too much, and Sanchez has decided he's going to scream the lyrics to a song he's not vocalist on. So Kelly just packs up his drums in front of the crowd and leaves. His departure mid-tour is the rock bottom that leads the band to A, hire their new fourth, Josh Eppard, and B, get their shit together over the next year, reconfiguring themselves from Shabuti into the band Coheed and Cambria by 2001. Uh, This name comes from a husband and wife couple in a comic epic Sanchez has been writing called, this is really what this started as, The Bag.On.Line Adventures. Later, reading. no, no. Can you, can you, can you, can you spell it out? I don't know what you just said. I don't know if my brain refused to like take it in, but can you? Bag dot on dot line, which was apparently named after a comic shop. Bag online. I mean, at least they okay. have an excuse. Yes, I don't understand it, but I think that's good. It's like when you seek Tulu and you're like, no, I'm not dealing with this now, and you just, like, don't process it. I think that's good. That's, that's like, objectively good, right? Later, this will be renamed into the band's sprawling concept universe, the Amory Wars. 
This is also where their seven circles and a triangle logo comes from, the Keywork, which is supposed to represent a giant cosmic fence powered by seven stars wrapping 78 planets together in a triangle. Did any of that sound pretentious to you? Strap in. Bag, uh, dot, online or whatever sounded like sword art online, which means that I am now intensely suspicious. (laughs) You should I mean, especially, especially considering what we know about the comics. Yeah. I'm side-eyeing it. I, I cannot stress to you how much, like, so the, the two, the two characters from this uh, setting that the band is named after are just what a choice! What, what what a choice to name your band after after these two particularly. Oh, the graphic novels! What an introduction! <laughs> what an introduction to the setting! What happens with them? So, oh. in two thousand two, the band gets their first studio album, the second stage Turbine Blade. They will blame this on At The Drive-In, and much like the crew of that band, Heroin will eventually kick one of the Coheed and Cambria members to the curb, too. They begin touring and make appearances on the 2002 Warp Tour as they get some videos onto MTV. Their profile rises over the next year, earning them opening and co-headliner slots beside Linkin Park, The Used, and Slipknot before we come to October 2003 and this week's album, in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, colon, three. Can you repeat that? In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, colon, three. Can you repeat that? In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, colon, three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now there's at least nine of them. <laughs> that's such a great name. Fun fact, that's the second of two planets called Earth in a setting. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. graphic novel about this, but I guess it was released after? Yeah, so it is two years after this album, and after their third album comes out, that they begin putting together comics. And so everything from after that point on in 2005 will either eventually have a comic written to clarify it, or By the time of about record five, they start getting comics and or novels out with the records to keep pace. We should probably break down some of the comic right now, just so we have background for what we're discussing with the album. Okay, well, I'm gonna step back because I have not read the comic. I have barely read the lyrics. Uh, So please, Sam... Sybil, tell us about the Amory Wars. <laughs> so I think the... God, I mean, you already set up the, the, the cosmology of the setting, right? So it's it's many planets in a triangle floating in space. Under heaven's fence. 
Yes. No, well, I mean, that's that's the name of the constellation? Question mark, question mark. Right? It's the Heaven's Fence. So people but are called fences. But also the literal fence that holds these planets together. Yes, yes, they are. And to be clear, that fence was put there by God. Mm-hmm. Okay? God. God put that there. We all, everyone agrees, God did that. God also put angels in the Heaven's Fence. There are angels. They're, sorry. They're called the prize. With an S. Is this Attack on Titan? No. Mm. Oh, no. I mean, two two whole other <laughs> things, yeah. Just, just with the people in the fence. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, but here's the thing. is that It's not a literal fence, right? You see, you'd think they use the word fence to indicate a barrier surrounding something, but instead they use the word fence to mean a different concept, which is a bold technique. Um, they used it to mean... <laughs> Just a big beam of light that keeps a bunch of planets from drifting apart from each other. Which is an unusual use of the word. More like a tether? Yes. Yes, yes. Heaven's Fence is a tether holding 78 planets in a triangle shape. Mm-hmm. And among all of them are a variety of different aliens. But really only four species or so are going to come into play who are the iRobots. Yes, I know what that name is a pun on, but it's I-R-O-Bots. The Prize, with an S, who are angels. The Mages. Blue angels. Yes, the Mages, who kind of stop mattering. And also, I guess there are humans. Yeah, it's never explicitly said they're humans, but they are just humans. You're telling me, after all of this... Uh, hoopla y'all have made about the mages and the tri-mages that they're not important this is the worst part about reading these comics is the fact that you get front-loaded so much information which is immediately useless like like i i I, it's a bit like if i wanted to explain i suppose like the iraq war what i would do is i would hand you a book about like the crimean war and then when you've read the book, I go, okay, so Iraq. And it's like, why did you do, why did you tell me about this? There's so much stuff about, you know, ads ah, divided into 16 quadrilateral groups that are, that are each ruled by a single mage. And it turns out that by the time the graphic novels like begin, like, you know, narratively, that was like 50 years ago. That's, that's, that's not the case at all anymore at all. There's just an evil emperor. Can I ask you a question? Please. You only read the two novels for albums one and two didn't. Correct. So you haven't read the prequels? I No way. Absolutely not. Okay. So I know Uh, more than you in both directions. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. But Adam, Um, ask your question. So what you're saying is that I need to read these graphic novels as a, like, course in what not to do in my future creative endeavors yes uh, on, on, yes yeah, yeah okay cool absolutely tip, tip one free tip don't even need to sign up for the course for this one if you are going to write your lore in graphic novels don't sum the entire album up in a two-part comic and then later retcon it by writing five to twelve part comics that expand on the whole thing and wipe out the first one. I see. Okay. They do this repeatedly. Does Coheed and Cambria have like uh what is the thing? 
Skillshare? What is the thing with the course? Do they have like an online course <laughs> on how to write graphic novel we can take? Okay, I'm going to just type in Claudio Sanchez Masterclass and hate myself. <laughs> yes, the Masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> that that I, was what I was thinking about. I, I will say, though, I, I think it's... Fuck, he has one! <laughs> what? What's it on? What's uh, it on? Seriously. Gamification with NPR's Claudio Sanchez. I think it might be a different Claudio Sanchez. I I'm really going hope so. to yes, it is a different one because he's oh, white thank... and bald. Okay, that is good to know. <laughs> Not the one with know. the hair. No, the, the okay. opposite of the Cohen, the literal <laughs> opposite <laughs> of the Cohen Cambria one. Sybil, I, I, there, there is a question I have now mm-hmm. because I, having read the graphic novel and okay. then having listened to the album, because I, I sort of read most of the graphic novel and then I moved on to the album afterwards, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but notice that the events listed in the album don't matter at all to the graphic novel. Um, they are essentially side projects about side characters who do nothing in the actual text of the graphic novel. So... Was all that just <laughs> if if they summed it up, then uh yeah, how, what what was it about? The, <laughs> because I can't see any plot. The intro track to this album we're covering is the perfect summary to me of the problems with the structure of the Amory Wars. It consists of a phone ringing, a woman picks it up and says hello, a piece of music which is apparently a leitmotif that has been running through the cycle so far plays and then we stop at the end just to hear a man say hello apollo where should i begin until the comics come out you have no way of knowing who the woman is because i don't think she's ever named on a record oh she is her name is used once in in this in this album but with no context so it's very understandable if it's not uh... i know they don't explain that apollo is her dog (laughs) no they do not yes apollo is the dog of this woman who is the main character's girlfriend kind of like 10 years ago yeah ex but kind of lover and he's still afraid to talk to her which is why he keeps calling her and then when she picks up he hangs up Mm -hmm. which is what we hear And so he shows up at her planet outside her place and starts narrating the events of the prior 10 years where he was in hiding to her dog, who, again, you don't know is a dog. You might just think he's calling NASA. Hello, Apollo. Where should I begin? I was thinking about the sun god. Or or a god, Mm -hmm. you know. There are gods in this thing, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes and no. There, there, There is one god. And, okay, and, uh, fine. and Claudio is his son. Uh, and no, that's, that's no. how it works. Claudio is not his son. Claudio. Okay, so. Okay, so you're all just. Can we go in order and can someone explain what happens in this fucking graphic novel? No, we need, we need a murder board. We need a conspiracy board. Let's stick just to these first two records for now. Let's not go into the prequels. Let's not go into the revelations from the comic of the you can do the, you can do the whole saga in the aftermath. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to, because I looked at all of it. But, Sam, a uh, graphic novel. We explained the cosmology, sort of. 27, pla- 47 planets, a, a bunch of planets, a triangle. Uh, 78. Uh, a fence. 78. Um, 
69 planet. Oh, by the way, this is episode 69. Yay. Um, oh, I definitely feel like I'm getting sucked and fucked. <laughs> you feel like you're getting fucked? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this definitely sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> uh, talk to us about the graphic novel, please. I want to understand. I'm, I feel like I've just lost contact with reality after this last conversation. I'm, I'm going to summarize the graphic novel before the one that we're about to sort of in, you know, venture into, which essentially, um, cosmology stuff, right? And then we, we're introduced to a husband and wife, Coheed and Cambria, right, respectively. Um, they have four kids, uh, and Coheed works in like a sort of masculine sort of natural resource exploitation job, like a miner or some shit. I can't remember what it was. Um, but, uh, but, one day he's coming back from work and uh, a representative of the government, which is run by an evil emperor called Wilhelm Ryan, which is great for a purple blue horned alien man wearing robes. Um, just Wilhelm. Yep. All right. Well, Wilhelm. Um, Ryan. Ryan. Mr. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, he gets approached and he gets told that, um, <laughs> that the government knows <laughs> it just gets insane so so quickly okay so just a normal guy a normal masculine man walking home to his family suddenly the army shows up they pull him into a car they talk to him they look at him in the eye and they say we know that you and your wife are two members of kib a secret KBI. terrorist resistance KBI. group kbi my bad my bad kbi a secret resistance group or used to be at least called kbi because of your code names the knowledge the beast and the inferno we know that you are the beast and that your wife is the knowledge <laughs> what, what happened and to the inferno the that, inferno the, is still worry. running around the inferno he's, he's still out there. is off in the uh solo project as we discussed the prize fighter inferno thing exactly oh oh interesting okay yeah don't yeah okay so so this so so the army guy is just like we know that da, 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 um and you were designed to create a virus that would undo the keyworks trust me you were and so were your kids yes so your kids also have this virus this so, actually changes between canada you by should the way interesting interesting yeah they they do a bit of weird shit um uh even even in what i've seen it just, it just fluctuates wildly um but uh but anyway so so yeah okay so you're an ex-freedom fighter you get told that actually you there's a universe ending virus in your bloodstream um and your kids so what do you do right and you get told this by a general of the army of the emperor the evil emperor so everybody, can we can we get like a round table? Who so what what first first action, Ellie? What would you do? Um, question the veracity of the information that have I have been given. Okay, that's a good one, Adam. Um, so like, try and remove my family from the situation, and then question the veracity of the information. Like these people know where I fucking live now. That that is surprisingly close, but yeah, Sybil. Uh, I think Sybil already knows what happens. But what would you do? 
Uh, I would definitely poison three of my four children in the night and mm-hmm. hold them, remembering the exact minute at which they expire. <laughs> okay. Um, well, interestingly, that's not exactly what happens. What happens is, is that he poisons, along with his wife, he goes to his wife and he says, our children is, you know, our children have got the virus, we should kill ourselves, but first we should kill our children. And so he does poison two of his kids. But the third one, who's a teenage girl, was off with her boyfriend and then got raped. And we just get to see that happen. Right, right. Yes, I forget that the third one is away. Yes. And then she arrives back home, right? And she's not doing so good, um, uh, obviously. And so, uh, yeah. And so she runs and gives her mother a hug. And then the mother telekinetically tells her husband, don't poison our little girl, for God's sake. Smash her head in with that hammer, because the poison is such a slow death, and she's having such a shit night. And so, of course, Coheed goes, You know, my darling, you're completely right. Let me pick up this hammer and beat her brains out. Uh, which is what he does. I... I'm already very tired, and I think I want to leave the podcast forever. Goodbye! I mean, look, we've got infanticide. Uh, the two other children were toddlers, by the way. Um, Weren't there four children? Uh, we're getting to yes, that. Yes, there were. Okay. Yes, we're getting to that. Um, I, I want to really make it clear, because this is the first, like, real moment in the graphic novel. Okay, infanticide. You know, that's never a, a nice thing to see. But, like, poor, I think Josephine is her name? Josephine is the third. Josephine is the third. Um, what a what an absolute dog shit, like, what, what, what a fucking character to have in your story. <laughs> it's a teenage girl who just comes to exist, you know, you write your, your, you create a character to have a rape scene and then get murdered by her father. Ah, the George R. R. Martin style of writing. I assume because of one throwaway line that she returns in some significance to the narrative. No. Right? Uh, that's even better. That, that's, that's, that is, confirms my suspicion, right? Because it's just pointless. She never comes up again. It's not relevant. Her death is made more tragic by revelations in the prequel. Right. Well, there, there, there's an offhand mentioning that actually she had the cure to the virus. Yes. In her. Okay, so that, that's it. That's the whole thing. It's mentioned in one line, like, five episodes later. That, that is literally the most edgy thing I've heard in a long while. Like, horribly edgy in a bad way. So, yeah. We need to step back and talk about one of the prequels in which we meet the scientist whose fucking name I have to look up again because he's in a whole different canon. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I need to find it. It's such a funny name. It's so funny. It's such a funny name. Uh, oh, he is it's... Leonard Hohenberger. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the what guy the who... fucking universe? <laughs> this is the doctor who created the KBI iRobots, and Josephine. He was tricked into creating the Monstar virus, which will destroy Heaven's Fence. No, no, it's not called like the villains in Space Jams. It is called Monstar. It is called it's Monstar. It's not called like the villains in Space Jam. Please tell me yes. it's not. That's not a joke. So, <laughs> it turns out that the... Oh my god... Supreme Tri-Mage of the Keywork, Wilhelm Ryan, captured 
Hohenberger's wife Pearl, and said, You, the person who made these creations that are out to get me, are going to make me a weaponized virus that will dissolve stars and thus dissolve the keywork. So he creates the Monstar virus to get his wife back, but he delivers it in a way that it cannot immediately be used, split up in two forms, mostly inside of Coheat. Now, this is a thing that we'll come back to it. He then creates the antidote in the form of Josephine Kilgannon, the oldest child of Coheed and Cambria. Did the, did the scientist create these people, or did this yes, he created these exist? people? Okay, because they're all robots. Okay. Remember, okay, for so the robots, they, cool. they can transform. I think that's the weird thing about iRobots, right? Is that they they're like people, but then they can transform into big sort of like you know super forms. Oh, they're Ultraman. Like an like an android to a mech. And if you find most of their metal bits, you can bring them back to life. Yeah. No one will do this for Coheed or Cambria. No. <laughs> Honestly, that's a very good point. I hadn't... Or Josephine, I suspect. Uh, absolutely not. No, Josephine is, is a... Yeah. Just such a frustrating character. Yeah. Go ahead. So Josephine is explicitly made after... Hohenberger brainwashes Coheed and Cambria to forget that they were members of this resistance into just being a normal family, which is where they settle down and have three more kids. Josephine is given to them and they just think, oh yeah, she she existed. We already had her as part of this life. Wonderful. Wait, robots can have kids? Yes. Okay. They're, they're cyborgs, basically. Okay. All of this is done in this prequel to set up backstory on why Coheed harbors this virus that does actually destroy one of the stars in the keywork before most of the members of the race of the prize, the angels, have to sacrifice themselves to reboot the fucking thing and keep it all intact. So there's like five guys left in the prize as a whole by the time this album comes about. And they run a burger chain. Well... I, I I'd like to just make one one little addition here. Um, uh, going back a little while, there is a fourth child called Claudio, and Claudio is a rebellious teenager, um, with a lot of spunk and. That name sounds familiar. Where have I heard it before? Self-insert. Self-insert. Claudio is the gentleman who just showed up on track one talking to a dog. Talking to a dog, exactly. Um, and uh, and he manages to escape the... Uh, he, he sort of walks in to find everybody dead. He brings his sister Josephine alive for a brief moment, uh, just to really elongate the trauma. Um, uh, she she immediately dies afterwards. Um, he literally Why just, like, do they hate this character so much? Basically, she died not understanding that her parents murdered her. Um, because she was killed by blunt force trauma to the back of the head, but he brings her back to life just just so we can get the existential horror as well, you know, of that. Um, I assume. I, I I don't know. There's no there's no reason why this happens. Um, uh, he can turn himself sort of partially also, invisible. How can he bring back people to life? What the fuck? Well, that's um, a great question. We'll get there. <laughs> that is a, that is a question for the ages. Um, he jumps onto a spaceship. And he uh, essentially uh, gets shipped off to a concentration camp for aliens. Um, 
uh, and that's where he'll stay until the this album begins um the the next album so that's that's claudio dealt with okay um uh, having said that, Coheed and Cambria um, are trapped by uh, the evil Mayo Destin Wolf. Didn't they want to kill themselves? Yep. They when they found out that actually their children don't have the virus. Uh, well, actually, what happens is they're about to kill themselves, and then Mayo shows up and goes, "Ha ha, you fools! You didn't need to do that at all." Uh, and then they go, "Well, we want to kill you now. You made us do this." Question mark, question mark. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, citation needed <laughs> there on the you made us do this. Um, uh, and then they sort of hulk out. Oh. Mayo's response to this is actually pretty brutal because he just goes, look, I just told you you had a problem. I didn't say murder your family. I mean, that's not wrong. I mean, listen, listen. Not to, like, get too dark, but personally, if I found out that somebody tricked me into murdering my children, um, my response would be not be, oh, I guess I don't have to kill myself now. It would be the opposite of that, because, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. I can't live with that. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. If I'm completely honest, I've completely blanked out on what actually happens after this point, because it's just, oh, yeah, an angel gets her wings torn off. So this is where the but. events of Second Stage Turbine Blade, the first album, go off, and Coheed succumbs to the virus that he actually carries, becoming the Monstar, takes out the star, Cambria, in the form of the White Ruineer, another failsafe in her programming, kills him, and the prize restarts the star that he was about to shut down. That correct, Sam? Uh, yep, that, that's about right. That's basically all you need out of second stage turbine blade. Yeah, nothing really happens till in the end, where just like, uh, what's what's? Oh my god, what's the what's Superman's villain guy, like the one who jumps down from space? No, 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 the big one with the bones. I don't know. Um, doomsday. Doomsday. Yes, doomsday. doomsday. Yeah, it's it's just doomsday. Just like punches a star and then it turns to dust, mm -hmm. or it dries up dries up question mark because you know obviously the surface of the star is solid and can be turned into a desert stars are very wet so yes. you know wet <laughs> these stars are wet and the wetness can be removed these stars are definitely wet are they really are they, are they canonically wet are they creepy or wet they are <laughs> yes. they're wet they're definitely but in general wet. the graphic novels are creepy <laughs> the thing um, we the reason I said we need to talk about this before the album is that the novels basically take what could be very open-ended prog concepts album stuff that fans could debate or maybe some questions in interviews could give context to and spell things out in this fashion that never really improves it. It kind of just goes... This whole thing was a different story than you expected entirely. I don't know how you couldn't figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, largely, the, the, the thing I find re really sort of impressive by, especially with the second album, is how the events that are obviously occurring in the songs, apart from, let's say, two or maybe three of the songs, are just completely tertiary to the plot that's actually going on in the, in the graphic novels. There is no plot sensitive or critical information here the characters that are discussed at length in the album are characters who are 
essentially inconsequential to the overall arching storyline. It's it's very strange, apart from one, of course. But you know, it, it's it, it's sort of weird. There's six there's six songs on this from the point of view of a character that doesn't do anything. Two characters that don't really do anything. It's uh, there's a three song cycle about a guy who is dead within minutes of being met. Minutes of being met. Well, yeah, by the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. yeah we we see yeah. his past and everything, but by the time he comes into the story and our heroes meet him, he's going to be dead in ten minutes for trying to kill them. Yeah, yeah. I I, I will say though, um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit on that one. He shows up consistently in the graphic novels, mystifyingly so. Um, a lot of him, a lot of his stuff is established. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I get this differently because I read the summaries of all of this but i mean essentially you're right because the character doesn't do anything until he meets the main character which spoiler is claudio um and that and he just dies you know he's just revealed to be a villain and dies but we get sort of just intractable sort of just pages and pages of him being uh, a very fun guy uh with no payoff, no explanation until, you know, eventually you meet and you go, oh, great, it's this guy. Oh, he's dead. All right. Good. Well, I'm glad Moving we on. did that. <laughs> shall yeah. we go Shall we go into a summary of this, the, 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 this record's visual novel? So, before we start with the uh, record. Sh- sh- what if, I, I would say, if we just start going to the songs, because they're essentially the first two songs, yes, the first, like, Two or three songs just are roughly sort of 60% of the graphic novel, um, which lets you know how little goes on in the first 60% of the graphic novel. (laughs) The line that sent me down the rabbit hole in the end was when doing research about this album, wiki summaries would say there are three important tracks on this album. And it's like, what does that mean? Oh, it's because only three tracks really give you major events of the story. Everything else just kind of rambles. Uh, let's talk about In Keeping Secret of Silent Earth 3. In Keeping Secret of Silent Earth 3. In Keeping Secret of Silent Earth 3. You forgot to say colon. Oh, In Keeping Secret of Silent Earth colon tree. There we go. I think the colon really matters. It does. This is to me. I have I have one thing written down. It's a little narrative sort of vignette at the beginning mm-hmm. um, that establishes absolutely nothing other than I suppose a dog is called Apollo. It's like the um, intro from the Weather Day record, except that it doesn't go into very uh, rough post-punk. It instead goes into uh, you're about yeah. It, it goes into like you're about to be playing a 
D&D campaign music. This is the GM <laughs> putting on a little track for atmosphere. Uh, and then Honestly. someone talks to Apollo. Hmm? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, this, this, uh, the MIDI. I, I, I like, I like the melody. I hate the execution. <laughs> um, it's, it's the midiest music I've ever heard in my life. I, I can't stand this. So yeah, we we basically covered everything on this intro track in the summary. I really liked this one, and it got my hopes up. <laughs> if you um, like that it's melody, an me- it's an it melody. If you like that melody, go listen to Second Stage Turbine Blade. It's recurring over there. See, it's just the fact that it's a very short track. <laughs> um, the fact that it has that weird sort of noise quality. Like, this is definitely the kind of music that I would have wanted to listen to when I was in the middle of my nervous breakdown and I wanted to make myself even more paranoid. Um, which is not really a compliment towards it, but I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> definitely interesting and fun. Uh, but it raised my hopes, and then the rest of the album happened. And then we go to In Keeping of Silent Earth, Column 3. In Keeping of Silent Earth, Column 3. In Keeping of Silent Earth, Column 3. You missed a whole word. I didn't. Is the secret secret? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about uh, what happens on Earth. Okay. Which Earth? The third First question, which Earth? The Silent Earth, (laughs) doy. The one that used to be Earth Paris. Is that the case? I have also heard somebody say that it was. They, these are just two separate planets. According to the wiki, they're two. They're just two separate. Okay, planets. I thought Earth Three was a renamed Paris colon Earth, so I could be misreading. Again, I went summaries. <laughs> Who knows? Shall I talk about the music before you all get all nerdy about the, your fucking uh, plot? I'll talk about the music, too. I have notes on the music. Uh, this is a little more metal-styled than I tend to prefer my prog, but it's not bad. Uh, the final 90 seconds with the whoa and guitar pegging are pretty fun. Yeah, I like the quiet intro. There's a good post-hardcore, like, chugga-chugga guitar, which is always fun. Um... Yeah, this is a fine song, but it's also like, this is the stereotypical, um, and they do a lot, that's a, that's a whole trope in the cheesy, cheesiest prog metal possible. This is the let's pluck at the fascist heartstring of our audience with a song about war and fighting the enemy and killing them and being a war hero or whatever, which is always like... 
like I get the sentiment of like heroism and whatever, but also like once you once you think about it, it's like oh, this is sort of fascist. <laughs> this is sort of the the, the 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 thing the fascists like, uh, which doesn't mean the, 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 I, I I don't know what the political proclivities of Cohida and Cambria are. I could imagine them, but I don't want to. Um, but doesn't mean that this general song is necessarily itself politically fascist or cancelable or whatever you want to say but it's also the thing in the back of your head it's like yeah i can enjoy this but also like eh, eh. i don't know it, 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 it's piggybacking on like the, the the desire to create a sense of sort of um uh forward momentum in your audience uh and for some people that means you want to kill those bad guys um and that's how you sort of you know there's not many songs about riding horses real fast anymore, so you know, or having trains go real fast. So you've got to find some other reason for people to run forward aggressively. Yeah, this is basically a template that every fucking cheesy prog band will follow. Like if you if you've ever familiar with Machina Supremacy, like half of yes. their songs are death. It's like yeah. yes, kill the enemy. I'm a ninja, and I'm gonna kill someone with my sword. <laughs> I took a lot more notes than usual on this album, just because the songs are so fucking long. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I'm sure you love. You know how I feel about songs that go over four minutes. Um, but, so, like, the actual music of it, the guitar at the beginning and all that, I was like, oh yeah, I can vibe with this. And then the guy started singing. And I was like, oh god, this is like Sleeping with Sirens, but worse, which sucks, because I'm not super keen on Sleeping with Sirens to begin with. Um, and then I was like, okay, okay, how long is it gonna go? H- how long? Oh, is it done? Eight minutes no. twelve. No, it's... With two long bridges. Nope, it, it psyched me out. It's not done. It's not done. Okay. Um, I don't like this. It does start again. It starts again in like like two thirds of the way through, which I found interminable. It starts again, and I was like, "Oh, thank goodness, it's done." Nope, it's not. So, zero out of ten for me. It does the the whole like <laughs> battle song whatever thing, and then there are two bridges or well two sections. The first one is about killing babies, I guess, which sort of made me less uh. enjoy the song because it's like. The, the first part is like the generic, yeah, man your battle station, kill the enemy, whatever, which I can understand. And then it's like, kill their babies. And it's like, what? What? What did you say? <laughs> well. I don't know, I was supposed to be the good guy in the fan song. Cut the throats of babies for them, break their hearts for they were there, waiting for you to say, I love you too. That That is decidedly and distinctly fucked up. And then the se- the second bridge is just boring. They just go like sweet guitar shit, and it's like yeah, like mellow. And then it starts again. The first part starts again, and you're like, oh yeah, battle sessions, whatever. Uh, I mean, you're gonna have to tell me when we can dive into what the song is quote unquote about. Oh, whenever you want. That's my thoughts on the song. My only other note on this is the best thing that happened to this genre is when prog metal people discovered the pop song structure and stopped doing eight-minute <laughs> songs. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I do agree with you there. I, musically, I, I enjoy this song well enough. I, I think this is actually, for me, the probably the best vocals he does in in this whole album, which I, I found a bit vocals. of a... Yeah, me too. I, and, and like like... 
Th- this was just like, like I my initial impression was just like this is fine, this is fine. And then he started he started singing, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm kind of enjoying like the the melodic stuff he's doing here. And then, as Adam pointed out, the song just keeps going forever, and my interest just slides away, away and away and away, and uh, pretty much by the uh, by the chorus, I'm 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 already out. Um, but uh, it was fine, I guess. Um, this song is about a robot. A lot of robots, really. Yes. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's about... It's from the perspective, largely, of Sizer, uh, one of Inferno's robots. Sorry, iRobots. Yeah. Um, they have this whole sort of like... So Inferno is... Oh, God, here we go. Uh, Inferno... <laughs> Inferno is the last of the KBI, BIK. He's the I, yeah. Um, he's the I. <laughs> um, he is like a rebel leader. He's got like a, a Lemmy mustache. Um, he's sort of, you know, going around the galaxy, like, you know, fighting the evil Red Army. That's what they're called, by the way. Yep. Then yep. I know what the politics of this dude are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and he has two he's he's created these iRobots with special abilities and there are four technically, but only two ever get any screen time. Uh one of which is Sizer, who is like angry and muscly, and he turns into a big monster and he fights people, and he's an angry teenager. And then the other one is called Chase. And she <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> the, 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 the moment. Okay. Um, she, here, when here, she was 10. Me, no, no, no. Let on, me please, go ease ahead. you in. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of characters in this setting have a real name and then they have titles. So Chase is the visual, which is visual, but with an H in it for no reason. And that's a huge part of the Amory Wars, which is sometimes people will just be proper nouns. Sometimes. They will be proper nouns with one letter changed somehow, just so it sounds more interesting. So you don't get weirded out by the fact that there are a bunch of people named the prize with an S or the armory wars is totally not a thing that you can sue us over Marvel with your armor wars or general Mayo. Mayo. (laughs) General Mayo. And there's another one like general Crom as well. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that if this dude wasn't like if this dude didn't focus this creative energy into a prog metal multimedia project, we would be re- reading about him on the R RPG horror <laughs> stories. Absolutely, I agree completely. Uh, but what I was actually gonna say, I mean, you, you're completely right, Sybil. Um, but what I was gonna say is that Chase, the other iRobot, is a ten-year-old girl. She's actually twenty, but when she was ten. Uh, Inferno was like, I don't want this one to get any older. No, don't ask me why. <laughs> I, I will refuse to elaborate, and I will not do it for any of my other iRobots. Bye! And then <laughs> that's, that's the explanation we get. Uh, she, uh, she inexplicably, this is like a space future. Everyone's wearing like, you know, leather jackets and like piping and stuff. Um, for whatever reason, in every, every single one of the, of the graphic novels, she's just wearing like, like a little blue and pink dress. <laughs> it's like, please, I get, I get that she's she's supposed she's visually ten, but do you really want to go to war with a ten year old wearing like little mittens and stuff? It's like for God's sake. It's yes. fine. It's fine. It's anime. Yes. Look at this. 
Like I was going to say, like I can relate to, you know, looking like your age should start with a one, um, but actually being in your 20s. But that that is not that. That is that is a that is a child. <laughs> yes. Um, the next song will be so much worse for this. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, no. So, oh, so no. Uh, as far as I can tell, looking at these uh, lyrics, it's, the song is largely about, about um, Sizer, her brother, who is just a grown-ass man, who turns into, like, you know, like, the Hulk with teeth and then just starts eating people and ripping them apart. The graphic novel's, like, extremely gory, right? Extremely gory. Yes. Like, a lot of guts getting pulled out, a lot of faces getting blown up and eyeballs flying off and shit. I don't really know why it doesn't really do anything to this that story, because what could? Um, so as far as I can tell, this just seems to be about Sizer being like, oh, I'm fighting against the fascists, or rather, I'm fighting against the Red Army. Mm. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird politics. Weird politics. Um, I'm fighting against the Red Army and Mayo Deftinwolf. My dad is also a robot, and he doesn't love me. Or does he love me? I'm jealous of my little sister. That's that's the whole song. Okay, that's it, it. That's one good line in the song, which I liked. Songwriting mm-hmm. rise, uh, sincere and now sincerely written from my brother's blood machine to yours. I'm sure there's a like lore implication to the sentence, mm. but taken without without that, just as a like sentence in a song about war. I think that's that's a good piece of lyrics. It is. An incredibly good lyric on its own. I like it. I think it's a very good part of this chorus. Let me tell you about the Prize Fighter Inferno, which is the side project we've mentioned, where the story of it is that Jesse Inferno dies in this series and gets isekai'd to modern day Earth, where he becomes a boxer. And on that album, which has some connection to the Amory Wars, but we have no idea what because he never finished the side project, he adds a track called My Brother's Blood Machine just to give some more context to this really good lyric. And... Oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. I don't need... I, I don't need that. No, okay. you don't. We no, no. don't need any of this. And so I feel like a lot of my commentary outside of the music on this episode is going to be coming in at the end with the cosmic horror Lovecraft knowledge that I learned last night, just ruining things for everyone. I'm sorry. Apparently, according to Sanchez, the whole story of this album relies on Sizer so much more than any of us know, but we won't find out how until he gets around to making the final missing graphic novel for this quartet. Which he still hasn't done really? 15 years later. I I find that very hard to believe. Uh, the quote is, In the upcoming Good Apollo I'm Burning Star 4 Volume 2 No World for Tomorrow book, Claudio S. says that Sizer will have more of a central role, and is in fact more involved in keeping secrets of Silent Earth 3 than most people have come to speculate and believe. Which is wild, given that there's a whole book about in keeping secrets of Silent Earth colon 3. Yeah, uh, Sizer is is just an afterthought completely. Mm-hmm. Like he he's barely character. Uh, one second, I've, I have a picture of Sizer, um, and all of the nuance that uh, this character brings. I'm assuming he's like the Hulk. Uh you mentioned Doomsday earlier. It's it's Doomsday. 
It's explicitly yeah. DC's yeah, Doomsday. There you go. Yeah, Doomsday's a better, much better example. Orange Doomsday. Yeah. Yeah. Shiny Doomsday. Like a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's really sad that his dad doesn't love him. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that oh, his dad loves kid. his sister and other kids more. Um, he, he's a teenager. Hooray. Except he's not. He's 20. <laughs> he's a teenage Orange Doomsday. <laughs> I'm just a teenage orange doomsday. I'm just a teenage doomsday baby. Okay, 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 okay. So, doomsday fights a bunch of people. That's the song. Yeah, yeah, and and feels emotions while fighting. Like I wish my dad loved me. Uh, next song. <laughs> yeah. Cuts, cuts marked in the march of men. Oh boy. Panic at the Disco oh. vibes. But not in a good way. Oh, just... I legitimately couldn't yeah. tell an ad wasn't another skip break for a minute at the start of this track. This okay, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna also join in the ad discourse. This record flows incredibly well in, into Spotify ads for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They feel like a part of the project and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But like good job I guess. So, this song's okay, right? It's, it's fine. This song is firmly okay. This is where I started making yeah. notes that the music is technically competent, but there's nothing about it that really grabs me. It's too mm, long for me. I can me. see that. That, that, that. I don't like this song as much as the previous one. There's some really good rhythmic guitar on the verse. I think the verse is very well, but the, it feels like this one lacks punch. Like there is a chorus, but it's like uh, it, it doesn't. It, it's almost like they forgot a bit of the chorus. They forgot the like musical punchline of the chorus, so it doesn't hit as much as it could. There's a weird upbeat bridge, which is not bad, but also this is the song where I've got like, oh, this is music for incel. We're continuing our our whole thing because I guess this is sort of a love song, whatever. It's like you know metal, vague love shit. Um, yes. But it's definitely from an insult point of view. And my comment on this is mainly that this is be- if, if we're gonna rank music for incels, uh, this is better music for incels than Dashboard Confessional. Like, it's better music. But also I suspect that you will find less fascists into Dashboard Confessional fans than into Coheed and Cambria fans. So, you know, make of that what you will. Better music... Probably worse politics, or at least implied politics. <laughs> um, so, 
Is this the song about the robot fan? Yeah. Okay. So um, the pre-chorus um, ends with the lines, Chase, it's you I want. Um, and then it's largely about how much you want a woman um, mm-hmm. or how much the author wants a woman or how much the character POV wants a woman. Um, this is still Sizer, as far as we can tell. It is. Oh, He's so referring it's not, to Chase. It's not, it's, oh, so it's, they're brothers. Brother and sister. Okay, it's worse. Brother and sister, and one of them is... So like six. The yes. comic changes this. Yeah. They are actually a hundred-year-old dragon. And I'm- <laughs> yeah, it's not in the comic whatsoever. Sybil, yeah, you're, you're completely right. This is where I started finding out the comics retconned the albums. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Because, yes, the song is a meat man saying, God, then why should I be anywhere if I can't love my babyish sister? And the album is so unique in that and that it is never mentioned again because probably because Peter David, a comics writer of some actual talent, comes in and starts working with Sanchez at this point, this plot point is never mentioned in the series. Oh, good. Good! Because Jesus good. Christ. Yes. Jesus good. fucking Christ. Good. Well, we're going we're gonna to have to see how, what happens when, uh, when the, final, uh, the final chapter is released, right? Sanchez. Yeah, maybe maybe this has all been pushed into the 15 years delayed book. Maybe that's why no one's finishing it. <laughs> Delay it forever. People keep losing. He keeps handing the uh, the manuscripts to somebody and they keep losing them. Uh, yeah. yeah that, it, it's bad. It's a bad... It's bad. It's bad when it's a trope in anime. It's bad. Here, don't... Just, just don't... This is a weird ballad in the middle of the album, and also, it's kind of hard to tell, but this is also where Supreme Trimage Wilhelm Ryan, who showed up for this fight, is captured by the resurrected prize. (laughs) And then he's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll come with you. Yes. But they also capture Sizer with uh, the retreating armies of Mayo Deftonwolf. I feel like I'm having a stroke. You feel like you're having a stroke. I understand it. I understand it. I don't. I'm. I. I think I'm lucky that I don't. But like, <laughs> you are. I mean, I'm tracking it all perfectly. I don't know what your problem is, Ellie. So it's worth noting that at the point where this essentially happens, where where Ryan is captured by Inferno is roughly, I think it's issue number eight of the 12-issue uh, uh, graphic novel run. Okay. Eight. What ha- What has happened? That's... We're on song three. <laughs> yes, what has happened is just not a lot. Not a lot. And none of it about this character, <laughs> to be clear. That's all I have to say. It's just... The, the this album like like if 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 you turn around and told me that this was a prank and this album has has nothing to do with the graphic novel series I just read, I would probably <laughs> Fair. believe you. Fair. <laughs> Look, so here's the thing: it's a the Prague opera that when you read the plot of what it's talking about, it's like has almost nothing to do or vaguely something to do with the uh, 
with the songs and the lyrics and the prog opera that can't really tell a story through the lyric for shit, it's like a beloved tradition of prog music. Everyone does it. There's almost zero record who compellingly tell a story through a record. But it's worse when you write a terrible graphic novel about it, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. as long as it's just a record, you're like, okay, but at least the music is good. Who cares? But like, (laughs) it's kind of different when you really, you really want to make it a thing. You're really trying to make it a thing and fail. Even if they hadn't made graphic novels about it, they still wouldn't be able to have people go, eh, well, at least it's good music. Because it is not. I mean, I like like some of this record musically, you know. I still can't get over the fact that the big doomsday monster want to whatever is happening in this song. Oh, God. Oh, please, let's move on to track four. Please, please, please. Okay. Anything else to say, anyone, on this one? Okay. No. Let's talk about three evils embodied (laughs) in love and shadow. In the hand of where we drove the drill Of course you see it through the mouth of your confession Think of all the things we put him through In the face of his God, would he tell the truth? Still recorded with the words that dribbled out his kiss When eyes go blind in this man of what could once become Sever the limbs of his torso and sleep And burn what remains so the world may now So, this is the most pop-punk track yet. Like, straight up. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's one of the shorter ones at only five minutes. This is one of the upbeat songs that I like musically. Um, it It's lacking in a strong chorus. Oh, okay. And th- this one needs a stronger chorus, but aside from that, this is sort of upbeat. It's cute. It reminds me of uh, the Deer Hunter King of Swords. Just, just... That is an insult to Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah, I know, but I need to compare it to something. Um, and now you can fill us with an imaginal evil. This has good shouts and good vibes musically for me, but what is it about, Siba? Anyone else got anything? I, I was just going to say, this song, when I was listening to it, I was like, you know what this needs? This needs some brass. This needs some horns. This needs... This would be great with brass. Make it into a ska song. <laughs> it would be better. This is probably one of the most interesting tracks on the album to me. Again, I do think brass or some horns would really punch this up to where I would say, hey, straight up good song. Unfortunately, it's describing a long drawn out torture sequence in which Sizer refuses to break and is broken into pieces. And then his cousin finds his remains in a fucking alleyway. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's better than the, what the last song was about. I'll take it. Yeah. The the final chant that ends this song is Mayo pulls a gun on him and Sizer just says, fucking shoot me and I win. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the he says the words, pull the trigger and the nightmare stops, what, like 12 times at the end of this? <laughs> I was like, ah, yes. Good. 
good. It, it, again, to be clear, none of this matters in the story. And Claudio comes into the tale because he discovers Sizer's ruined remains in an alleyway. And that's where we switch narrators. Oh, did we mention he's discovered... He's discovered in the sewers of Goddard Dam, yes. which is a real place. That's a city. It's a city. Okay. It's, so in the in the graphic novel, Sizer has nothing to do with anything. Uh, and we've been sort of tentatively following Claudio around as he was once. At the beginning of the story, um, he was in a concentration camp for aliens. Um, aliens are called stars. Don't know why. Never explained. There's no. There's no it's reason. It's supposed it. to be a slur for them too. It. It is. I don't get it. But okay. So this world. This world has prize fighters. Mm -hmm. No prize. prize, prize yeah. The mm -hmm. angels. Yeah. Robots. Mm -hmm. I robots. Humans. Yeah. Humans. And what's the fourth one? Uh, just j uh, mages. J mages. Mages. Who are the aliens? They're just, they're just green men. <laughs> they're just men with no noses, oh, so that's a, and they're green. Okay. Okay, there's more. Okay. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> a lot of little creatures in the background, and they're just all generically referred to with the slur stars. Which, if you think about that, makes the fact that a character's name is something like Star Carl the equivalent of calling a dude... Uh... No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Oh my god, no. is that... Is there a character called that in the... Star something. Let me find the list. Oh, my God. Uh, Star Cecil. My bad. Uh, oh, is that, is that what they're called? Interesting, because uh, I'm, I'm afraid in the in the, uh, in the the graphic novel, he's just called Cecil. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, in Second Stage Turbine Blade, his name is Star Cecil. So I guess they cut Jesus. that for the books. Yeah, I guess they did. <laughs> also, Cecil. Like, Cecil, the yes. most, like, 1960s middle-aged man in Britain name the I can imagine. 1800s orphan name. No. No, no, no. Cecil is a, is a, a solidly middle-class name. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he has a British accent. He knows these things. I will surrender. Sam, what do you think about the Queen Diet? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's, there's recently, I'm sorry to drag you into UK ship, but there's recently been like some stuff going on that apparently um, our, our new glorious god emperor, Charles III, um, uh, is so obsessed with boiled eggs that he has chefs constantly cooking boiled eggs in every like establishment that he like visits or stays at and when he wants a boiled egg he'll have like like 10 of them delivered and he'll crack them all open check them for consistency pick the one he thinks he likes the most and have the rest thrown away this is truly normal behavior and not at all like some like louis the 16th let them eat eggs question mark i mean eggs is my favorite food after ice cream well you're well, canceled now for yeah. you know I generally fry them, though, mm. not boiled. Damn, I want an egg now. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, is, is there anything else to say about three evils embodied in love and um, Yes, all, all <laughs> I'll say is that um, I think this comes up more in the next song, but just to catch up with Claudio, he was in a concentration camp. He read the Bible? Question mark? It, it, yeah. The, there's a Bible? It's, not, it's called, like, the Book of, like, Grahahui or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll find Bible. it. <laughs> um, the, the Book of Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> book of 
Book of Gonsgrad. Yeah, Gonsgrad. Gonsgrad. Okay. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I want to spell that out just so you understand how this is. G-H-A-N-S-G-R-A-A-D. Okay. Oh. Sure. Weird. Gansgrad, which is ridiculous. It sure. makes no, like, semantic sense whatsoever. Grad is either, like, like a hill in, like, a Germanic language or, like, a city in, like, a sort of... Uh, a Turkic or like it's 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 the name of a place, not a book. Terrible. Anyway, the book of Westphalia? Question mark? Question mark? Um, yeah, but he uh, he reads the Bible. He gives the Bible to Cecil the alien. This does nothing. This this like there are multiple pages given over to Cecil reading the Bible of Gansgrad and being like, hmm, this. God guy sure seems like a cool dude. And then at the end of the series, he gets accidentally shoved into a beam of light and instantly disintegrated. <laughs> Nothing comes of this. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's so infuriating how little any of this fits together narratively. Anyway, um, and then uh, oh God. anyway, so then Claudio goes to Gotterdam uh, and now he's like, oh, I'm living in the sewers. I'm like picking up coins off of dead bodies. I'm a weird little man that lives under the drains um, until he meets an angel. But we're about to find the next part of that out in track five, The Crowing. Next time! Same song, different chorus. Uh, so, so this was half an episode. <laughs> if you want to, if you, gotta get out of that. Gotta get I out of I feel like the easy thing okay. would be to just paste the ending from our actual ending in here when you're editing. I, I'm just gonna do it very quickly. Gotta get out of this town. Is it gotta get out? Get out of this town. Dot com is our website. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a normal person. I'm, I'm, I, I still have a correct grasp on reality. Uh, getoutofthistown.com is our website. Go there. There's things. And uh, we will be back next week with more of this. I hope you like... I hate I hope this. you like serial killers. <laughs> uh, woo! Do you, I mean, I do like serial killers. Um, do you? <laughs> Look, in fiction, they're fun. Um, not in real life. Well... You know, if I if I had to be killed, I would rather it to be by a serial killer than by a hate crime. So that's it's that. more interesting. It's fun. They 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 get to make like a fucking podcast about you after that. Um, but yeah, do you have anything to plug, Sybil? You can find me and my works at hellscaper.com. Do you have anything to plug, Sam? Um, I have got a Twitter account which is largely irrelevant. Um. Uh, at uh, Millstab. Millstab on Twitter. Uh, do you have anything to plug, Adam? Um, I'm working on a ghost story right now, but mm. nobody's allowed to see it, so no, I do not. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at ACC the Moon. And we do not have a Patreon. But we have another episode of this thing, so... Leave us a comment on one of them. 
Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Go get some water, Sam. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. Gears turning that Norwich can attack. Consideration of pause had their time come and pass. No gloves, but you can't get enough. Make a fine parade so the public sways in your way. the glow.